Welcome, everyone. This is a very special edition of Northern Spin. It's a Northern Spin Extra podcast. My name's Michael Taylor, and this week we've got a special guest, as well as Chris McGuire. Hello. Chris. Hello. So, um, Chris and I are both passionate about business. We're passionate about the North. So, who better to get in the room as one of the North's top venture capitalists, David Foreman, the managing director of Pretoria Ventures. David, hi. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, really good. But before we start, let's just give another big shout out to our sponsor, Oscar Technology. Oscar Technology, top recruitment company, finding uh, staff for tech companies. Chris, good friends of yours? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, they've won countless awards as well. Based in Manchester, the uh, the founder, the MD, lives in Marple. The name you can trust when it comes to recruitment is Oscar. Absolutely. So, David, uh, welcome to the Northern, Northern Spin podcast. It's great to have you on as, a, as our special guest. Tell us a little bit about Pretoria Ventures. Okay, so Pretoria Ventures is an uh, early stage VC. Uh, we back businesses in predominantly the north of England, based in Manchester. We back businesses in tech and health. And you know, our job, really simply, like any VC, is to find and back exceptional founders and then help them build the best business they can. Really, really simple. Okay, so you've got lots of businesses that you're currently invested in. Have you had a few that you've exited from and made a tidy return? Uh, yeah, we had some. Uh, so we've been doing this since 2011. We've had some really good returns. We were the first We were first investor in a business called Inspired Energy PLC, which we eventually floated and, and, and did very well for our investors. Also a business called EC3. We were co-founders of a business called PIB Insurance, which has recently gone on to be bought by Apex, uh, a unicorn valuation. So technically, I'm the co-founder of Unicorn. My bank balance definitely doesn't say that. But so just, just, just for the for the benefit of the viewers that don't know what that means, a unicorn is like a tech company that reaches almost like a billion, massive, a billion, technically a billion? a billion dollars. Yeah. Uh, so yes, yeah, so it was bought for a huge amount of money. We actually sold it to Carlisle after about 18, 24 months of having set it up uh, because Carlisle basically backed them with 250 million yeah. of, of buy and build facilities, which as three lads in Manchester at the time, we couldn't yeah. really match. So yeah, uh, so, yeah, so we've, we've had some really good success. We've, you know, great businesses in the North thing that we're, we're involved in, it, PKI, yeah. Bankify, Culture Shift, Modern Milkman, Orca Technologies, Sorted, we're XR Games in, in Leeds. We've been, you know, we've been trying to, sort of back the very best of the founders in the north of England for, for a period of time now. We launched our first fund in 2019. Since then, we've raised about £125 million and we've invested in, our portfolio is now 28 businesses. Great. And where does the money come from? Who do you... Who do you Variety of sources. The so the majority of the money comes from high net worths, retail investors, so either their advisors or directly from high net worth. So that's under EIS. We also have a facility with the British Business Bank, which allows us to, it's under their regional angel program, which is 20 million pounds. So that allows us to extend the reach of our funds we raise from high net worths. And we've recently this year won a mandate to manage a Greater Manchester Council, Bruntwood Ventures, and uh, or Cheshire East Council backed fund of 20 okay. million pounds. Well, I want to ask you a little bit about those um, council and government back funds as well, because um, so just give me an idea then. Tell me about modern milkman actually, because my dad was a milkman and <laughs> so, uh, he, he doesn't do it anymore, so he's not modern. So modern milkman was something, um, and this is a bit of a a bit of a, one of those stories. It's an e-commerce of, business, yeah. Right? It's an e-commerce yeah. business. It's it's basically it's exactly what it says. It's a modern yeah, yeah. version of, of of the milk round wow. using you know tech to bring the cost of delivery right down. They deliver overnight rather than sort of during the day. So delivery is very, very short window. People, you know, the, the average order value is pretty low, sort of three, four pounds. It's milk, yeah. it's bread, it's eggs, it's 
orange juice, it's things like that. It's exactly what you'd expect from a milk round. My dad was an early adopter uh, of this. He was, he was, and it, it might, so I think the easy way of thinking of modern milkmen is if you imagine all of the milkmen in the past who used to do it on their own basis, all aggregated together using technology to make them super efficient. Yeah. Um, and they obviously got a huge boost, a couple of things that really transformed the business. They raised 10 million pounds from Insight Partners, who are one of the biggest VCs in the world uh, before the pandemic. And then obviously the pandemic helped because everyone went, oh, I need to go, I still need my milk, yeah, I still need shopping. my eggs, I still need my orange juice. It was part of that home shopping, home delivery sort of revolution. And that has massively propelled the business forward. They're now at something like 50 million of revenue. Um, wow. Having been probably two years ago, more like two or three million. They've got a great, got a great narrative though, uh, Michael, because uh, they were watching Blue Planet, you know, the day yeah. Attenborough, and they saw what was happening, and they said we've got to do something. And uh, they were in Cone at the time, and they decided actually, if you look at the milkman system, people are paying in pounds, aren't they? You get a knock on the door, can you pay? And they said there must be an easy way of ordering an extra pint of milk in the morning than putting a note in the bottle to say extra pint, please. And they just found a really traditional business that was struggling and they just injected it with technology. And that's the reason Petura and yeah. other investors have been excited by it. So it's got a great story. Really? And also early adopters of uh, electric vehicles as well. Yeah, they, the I think, I think that, yeah, definitely. And I think modern Millman's now going that way. I think going back to your point on Simon, who's the, the founder, Simon Mellon co-founder, great story. Cause he, rather than, I think, he actually lived the, lived the whole business. So he went and bought a milk round and was up at four in the morning doing the milk yeah, rounds yeah. just so he could learn what it was and then apply the technology to it. I think a lot of people would have assumed they knew what that yeah. meant rather than actually yeah. putting mm. money in, doing it himself, learning the, learning the traditional way and then providing technology. To Sounds great. Bigger. So we've talked a little bit about your investment portfolio. You mentioned the companies you've invested in. How much do you typically invest in a company that you're backing? Uh, our average is about one and a half million pounds on the first investment. We can do between one and three out of our EIS yeah. fund. And for the, the, the life sciences fund with uh, Greater Manchester, that's between sort of a hundred grand yeah. and a million pounds. And EIS is the enterprise investment scheme that was apparently, it was set up under Gordon Brown's government yeah, by Ed Miliband it, apparently. It's, it's, a, it's, it's been around for a very long yeah. time, yeah. yeah. Um, I think it might be slightly before that. I'm sure I remember it being set up in like 73, but, <laughs> but uh, who, but Harold who, who Wilson. knows, who yes. knows? Uh, if he can get a Labour, if he can get a Labour, no, good not at all. That's, that, that's yeah. not what I was doing. I have listened um, to a few of the podcasts. Yeah. I'm aware okay. of his allegiance. <laughs> all right, well, moving swiftly on. So you've done a report recently, which is what I wanted to ask you about. It's called What? powering the powerhouse which found that the uk economy is losing out on a potential wait for this 92 billion pounds in gdp due to a shortfall in funding in the north how do you begin to change that is it marketing the opportunities in the north better or actually should it be government policy that um, that directs things more more, more, more strategically towards the north. I think it's a bit of both. So to get kind of where that sort of stat came from, uh, this is just amazing. So that's when we kind of dug into it. The north is about twenty percent of GDP of the UK, right? As is London. The north is about twenty percent of the companies, active companies in the UK, as is London. But then when you look at VC, eighty percent of VCs are headquartered in London. Right. Three percent of VCs in the UK are headquartered in the north of England. Right. It's insane. And 60% of VC funding goes to founders in London versus about 12% for founders in the north of England. So you've got this part of the world. Yes, it's a big landmass compared to you know, London, but you've got this part of the world that is roughly equivalent to London in pretty much every economic factor. 
and yet VC is massively skewed towards London. And the, where that number comes from is where if you applied the, um, the amount of venture capital that is, a, that is sort of deployed in London on an annual basis and then factored it in for what is deployed in the north, there's about a nine billion per annum shortfall in venture capital right. in the north of England um, every year. And obviously then you apply that up by what, what venture capital do, each venture capital dollar brings in in terms of GDP. It's about a thousand, so that's where you get the 90, 90 billion. But I don't think <laughs> that's the maths. The reality is it's not necessarily that that's the actual number, the nine billion a year that's needed in VC in the north of England. It's that it's massively overweight in London and massively underweight in, yeah. in the north. So there's probably a bit of maths in there, but but effectively, how do you fix it? You need to, we need to create in the north of England a startup ecosystem that enables founders in this part of the world to build great businesses of, of consequence, you know, of real yeah, sort of yeah. global consequence. And we've started to, you know, the likes of THG and AO and Bet365 and Pets at Home and all those sort of businesses. You know, we've had some real success stories, but not enough. And then those success stories need to bring more venture capital funding, more founders reinvesting in the region. Yeah, more they've founders done that to an extent, haven't they? Some of the founders of AO are absolutely quite but generous. They, they are, and one of the founders. So Steve Corns is my chairman, right? So um, and and a mentor of mine, and fantastic guy, and I've learned so much from him. But it's a bigger problem than one thing can than one yeah. thing can fix. It's just a. You know, it's and to be fair, it's not, we're not the only country that's got that. You know, if you look at America with Silicon Valley and all the capital that goes yeah. there, and even like New York struggles to compete yeah. with Silicon Valley in America. So there's definitely an element of venture capital goes where venture capital goes. But I think the North can do better. I think we're starting to do better. And we need, you know, we need the founders, we need the talent, we need the VCs to be able to back the talent, and then we need to create the success stories, which then fosters yeah. so, the next generation. So in the past, David, government would listen to something like that, that you're saying, they'd read a report like yours and they'd say, what we therefore need is more venture capital. And they'd set up their own funds. They'd stick 20 million quid on the table and set up a fund and get someone like your firm to run it, maybe, mm -hmm. to invest in key sectors. Um, has that worked in to, the past? To a certain extent, yes. Right. If you take... NPIF, which is the biggest sort of program that you know, that came in about five years. Northern Powers Investment Nord Fund. Sorry, yeah. Northern. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't use the inacronyms. Yeah. Um, Northern Powers Investment Fund. That's ended up with two fund managers investing about two hundred and something million of equity investment into the northwest and the northeast, being you know predominantly into around, companies or into, into early into early stage companies. Yeah. And you know, I think that's worked well. It's the, it's a start. Um, yeah. What needs to happen is that needs to carry on, and the funds need to get bigger. The fund managers need to al align sort of the, uh, I guess, the commercial element around that, the private sector around the public sector to create, you know, that that one vision of trying to create this northern yeah. ecosystem. And I think all those things coming together have made have made a difference. But we started from so far back that yeah. it'll take a long time to, yeah. to catch up. You know, that, that goes for everything in leveling up from infrastructure, yeah. from you know, from from public policy through to investment, through to you know, my little tiny bit of that problem, sure. which is venture capital. So um just just one final question before I give Chris a chance to get a word in edgeways. So Rishi Sunak likes to come over as very Silicon Valley. Liz Truss, his short-lived predecessor, do you remember her? Yeah. Vaguely. Yeah. She's affected a lot of people. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Um, she thought Britannia was unchained and she wanted to unleash the animal spirit of Britain's entrepreneurial class by 
you know, giving you all tax cuts and all the rest of it. Um, that all feels quite outdated thinking now. What um, would you actually favour as a as a repost as a as a response to the report that you did? a more coherent industrial strategy by central government that says these are our objectives of a nation, just as Germany did after re reunification. The wall's coming down. Our national mission is to level up effectively East Germany. Uh, Ireland did it. It became a, a thriving tech economy. And what sort of measures do you think would you like to see this government or a future government of whatever political colour implementing? Yeah, so I'm very conscious that I'm A, not qualified, and B, <laughs> not able <laughs> it's to... never yeah, stopped uh, us, Dave. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the industrial strategy should be or whether indeed there should be an industrial yeah. strategy. Fair I, point. I, I, like, but to me, if there is one, it needs to be executed really well. And I think that if we go back to the issue of, you know, any of the issues with government in the, in the last few years, which you know, have been many and well documented, it's not necessarily that the policies are dreadful. It's that the execution of them hasn't quite worked as well yeah. as, as well as we'd like. So it wouldn't be for me, and I wouldn't profess to say anything around whether we should or shouldn't have industrial strategy or what that industrial strategy should be. But if we are, then it needs to be you know, publicly mandated. It needs to be something we can all buy into, and then it needs to be executed really, yeah, really well. Like a national mission. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's a difficult thing to achieve but that's what it would have to be for it to work. I think, you know, we've had a number of changes over the last few years in terms of government yeah. policy and what's happened. And I think where the issues are is not necessarily the policy, because most of them have been voted in generally, yeah. Yeah. but how that's been manifested in the reality. And has it helped you operate in, in Greater Manchester? Sorry, Chris, last question. Yeah, that's fine. Has it helped that we've got like a talismanic metro mayor of the status of someone like Andy Burnham. Yeah, I think he's done great things for Manchester. I think, you know, I think he puts, he's very much part of the story within within politics and that anything that helps put Manchester on the map and it takes it away from being a London-centric yeah. view of the world is a good thing. I think he also comes across, and I've only had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times, very, very briefly, So, I don't, but he comes across as a, decent human being who wants to do the right thing and is passionate about the, the subject matter. And that's three, you know, and, 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 and he seems pretty competent. So, you know, those are three or four things that you need in people who are going to be those figureheads. Yeah. And on that basis, I think what he's been doing has been fantastic. And sign, does it, do you think they signpost sufficiently the sectors that you'd like to see investment into that would support the whole rhetoric around and narrative around the sectors that you support, which are typically high tech, aren't they? High tech and health. And I yeah. think, you know, and I think that's something that the UK could be world class in. You yeah. know, I think and especially and I think you look at like the North of England, you go, well, what could the North of England be world yeah. class in? And you think tech and, and life sciences, health are probably two of those things. Yeah. We've got, you know, a huge amount of computer science graduates coming out of the universities, a huge amount of like of real talent coming out of the University of the North on life sciences and you know and sciences in general. Those are areas where we have you know probably the infrastructure and probably the talents. Yeah. The rest of the ecosystem needs to come around it to create those world class centres. You look at Audley Park, you look at Daresbury, you look at you know City Labs in in terms of life sciences and health. I mean they are world class facilities. For people to build businesses in that space. Yeah. You look at you know the tech hubs that are coming into Manchester. World-class businesses are coming to Manchester and being built in Manchester and in Liverpool and in Leeds. Yeah. So, you know, we 
there is an opportunity in the north of England to really create those two hubs of being, we're actually really good at this. It's not yeah. leveling yeah, up yeah. because we want to level up and not because it's a, a government slogan, but actually we've got the talent and the people to be able to be yeah. really, really on the world stage in that in those areas. Yeah, it's not the begging bowl. It's actually the, the direction of travel for the whole of the country. Correct. It, potentially? Yeah. We've, got to, we've got to earn it, right? Yeah, I'll I, I do a uh, quick round. Thanks, Michael. Michael Sike, he, uh, he takes the first leg um, and then he hands a baton over to me and says, right, I want you to run this leg in a minute. Um, I'm going to get a quick quick fire round, actually. Um, okay, a lot of businesses talk about certainty. They want certainty in business. What's your view on our last three prime ministers? But just give us a quick view. Boris okay. Johnson. Uh, I, I just, I'm not sure that his focus was on doing the right thing for the country. I think he his views were skewed by his own political ambition. Okay. Um, Liz Truss. I've got a picture <laughs> of her. I'll just remind you what she looks like. Um, I think the big, the big issue with Liz Truss was she, she went with that mini budget, which lots of people have reported on. But the issue for me is the kind of that disdain for the experts, not going to the OBR, not, get, not you know, just I know best than... She wasn't. She didn't have the mandate to do that. She didn't have the authority to do that, and the repercussions have been have been pretty tragic. And and unfortunately, it wasn't as if those repercussions weren't well signposted. Enough very very intellectual people who know far more than I do were able to say this is what this is what is likely to happen if you do what you did. And she just kind of went, I don't really care. I'm going to do it. One when, of them being Rishi Sunak, of course, during the leadership contest. When, when, when you saw that fiscal event, um, what did you immediately think when they talked about cutting the highest rate of tax? And also, what did your businesses that you've invested in, what did they say to you? Are they starting to say, hang on a minute, we're just going to hold fire on capital investment because we don't know what's around the corner? What sort of ripple effect did it have? It wasn't that immediate. I mean, I'm not sure I could, I think I'd be sort of overstating if I said our oh, business has changed immediately. I think the really interesting thing about the tax cuts for, you know, the 45% 45p tax cut is I never found anybody who actually wanted it. The people who it affected and benefited felt sort of morally wrong about saying, well, I'm going to be better off. I didn't find anybody who wanted it. The pe it, it, it adversely affected some people. It obviously adversely affected the markets for what was a relatively small amount of of, of sort of, of, of cut. Two billion. Yeah, it's a, it's a very small number in the, in the global thing, but nobody wanted it. Even the very rich who, are, who would have benefited kind of all just said to me, and we did, we obviously raised money from the high net worth. Mm. Yeah. Nobody, nobody wanted it. So it seemed a very odd yeah. thing on which, you know, yeah. as, a, as a stake in the ground, a hill to die on, it seemed an odd one that I yeah. just don't understand. Crazy. Um, in terms of Rishi Sunak, obviously he's not got a lot to compare himself to compared to the previous incumbent. But, you know, from a business perspective, what's your view on him? Quick answer. Positive. I think he looks competent. I think he's got the, the capacity to do the job. And I think he will focus on the really, really, really big issues, which is obviously at the moment, regaining market stability, regaining stability across the government. And I think, I think he'll do a good job. I think, he's, I think he's, he's definitely got the intellectual capacity to do a good job. I just want to pick your brains about a couple of things. Uh, Avante West Coast, big bugbear of ours, big bug, big bugbear of businesses. You know, as a business that probably goes down to London, what's your view on there? Dreadful. Dreadful. How does it affect you? It just makes it harder. Um, it just makes it makes every trip to London at the moment is like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a pain. It's not very convenient. You miss meetings because trains are cancelled. The cost is exorbitant. But train travel generally in the north of England is an issue for everything. It's not just 
from us down to from Manchester down to London, but it's also from Leeds to Manchester, Manchester to Liverpool. It's all that whole infrastructure is part of what we need to be able to do, you know, to really benefit on all of, to, to really capitalize on all the benefits of leveling up. Because people need to be able to get around, you know, we've all done the drive from Manchester to Leeds during the day and know that it might take you an hour, it might take you three. And that's, that's nuts. And that makes people then sit on Zoom and do those things, which video conferencing is obviously better than a phone call, but it's still not the same as face-to-face. -face. And that's a problem. It's the same from you know, Manchester down to London. It's too expensive. And at the moment, the service isn't good enough because it's constantly interrupted. You mentioned you mentioned Leeds a second ago. Of course, they beat your team, Liverpool, at the weekend, didn't they? They did. <laughs> they, uh, well deserved. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to pick your brains about a personal subject. Uh, and, and I asked if you're okay talking about it. I mean, a lot of stuff in the news at the moment about the the the, the dreadful uh, humanitarian crisis, um, you know, in Kent, which is where I'm from, um, with uh, with migrants turning up in dinghies and, and the political ramifications of that. Now, you're not comparing yourself to, to that. You're Absolutely not. not. No, but you had a situation where you've, you've got married to your your girlfriend, Christina, who's an American, but you had to jump through hoops in order for Christina to be able to stay in this country. Just, just tell us what happened to you, David. So in a, in a whistle-stop tour, I met Christina in Vegas. Um, we obviously liked each other. Uh, so then How do you we, meet somebody in Vegas? Just uh, tell us you go to Vegas and meet someone. <laughs> it literally is as simple, is as, simple as that. Was it your Praetor Adventure sweatshirt that did no, it? No, I was out for dinner with friends who have some friends over in America and they invited Christina, so a friend of friend, and we just sat yeah. next to each other and you know, the rest is history. We then came back, did the long distance thing. This was pre-COVID, so you couldn't do it now, but between Manchester and New York. Um, then she moved, she came over for a holiday or to see me in just before lockdown, we went to Spain. Lockdowns happened, she got locked down in England. We obviously spent lockdown together. She was, you know, sort of, you know, for, forced to stay here, but she, I think she wanted to. Um, and we got engaged. Then we applied for her to become, to, allowed to stay you know indefinitely and work and do all that sort of stuff because she was working remotely from from Wilmslow where I live for a job in Chicago which meant she was working from 2 p.m till midnight every day on zoom which is tough so we, we applied for her to sort of come and stay here and be allowed to stay here and work here went through the official channels got a lawyer did all that good stuff applied as a partner after six months we failed that application on a technicality and she got an email that said uh, we've not, you know, we've not said anything to you, but after six months, basically no. And can you get out of the country in 14 days? So we decided we didn't really like that plan. So we flew instead to Vegas and got married, um, and then came back and applied as a as a spouse, which took, was a lot quicker. Um, and you know, we eventually got it sorted, having been via Portugal because we were advised by a lawyer for her not to come to the country whilst we were on that process. And how so, much did that process cost you, do you reckon? The legals and the application probably all in was 20 grand. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, we're hearing I a lot about... For love. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, as you both know, I'm now also building, doing a house renovation. So it's been an expensive time. Yeah. Um, I hope those investments pay off. <laughs> Just final final question before we close this, uh, this, this special episode, this uh, Northern Spin Extra, is we want to try and sell the North, you know, in terms of for people who listen to the podcast. And interestingly, we are very big in Bahrain, according to Apple podcast charts. Um, so 
if we were selling the North to our audience in Bahrain, what's, you've got a dog. What do you love about the North? Is there a, an area they'd like to go to? Is there a particular spot you'd recommend to our Bahrainian audience? <laughs> or anywhere for that. Or anywhere. Uh, yeah, um, I, think, I think to be fair, living Manchester, you guys have been here a long time, but Manchester's re- like, has massively improved as a city over the last 10, 15 years. You know, we've now got genuinely you know, great all these amenities you'd have in the city. So, you know, all of those things. And I think from a business perspective, why would you want to be here? Well, it's you know, cost of living, um, you know, there is genuine talent here and there's a huge untapped opportunity for people to invest in the North. From a living perspective, it's great because you can kind of come into the city and do your, do, your, do your job. There's everything you need there, but also within an hour, you can be in the Lake District or within an hour, you can be in, you know, or two hours, you can be in the North Wales. You can have space and greenery and all those things that, you know, one of my favorite things that I don't really know how this happened. We've just got a dog. And one of my favorite things now is walking the dog in a park and just, you know, out in the fresh air, which makes me sound incredibly middle-aged, but that is, that is just- well, you that, are 40, just, you are 40, David. Uh, 41 actually yeah. now, 41. So yeah. I'm, I'm very old, but uh, yeah, I just, I like the fact you can get both. You can get the benefit of kind of being in the city, but also, you know, you're not a million miles away from the country. David, you're the best guest we've ever had on The Northern Spin Extra. Um, I mean, technically you're the first, but you're without doubt the best. You didn't um, You didn't have to add that, <laughs> did you? You could have just left No, it. no, uh, absolutely. I apologise for that. Listen, that's everything. And that's uh, that's us concluded for this episode of Northern Spin Extra. Just a reminder, we are now on Apple Podcasts, so please give us a five-star rating. That helps with the algorithms. Tell your friends and family, if not for us, for David Foreman and his family, very big in the US now. Um, don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter. Our hashtag is... Uh, is uh, at northern underscore spin one um, we're well over 130 followers now we've only been going a week on the uh, twitter thank you to what media for recording this podcast and to elliot taylor <clears throat> for providing the music uh, my name as always is chris mcguire and that's all from me and my colleague michael taylor thanks very much <laughs>